0: Good to be in the studio today with John Thurman. John, thanks for being here. Appreciate the opportunity, Tim. Thanks for having me. You know, it's fun to not only get together and have coffee at the coffee shop, but when we get in the studio, now we get to kind of have some long-form conversation of kind of like the snippets of our boy. I don't know, almost two years of conversations at the coffee shop. This is great. Thanks for taking the time. You bet. Love it. You know, Love the setup here, it's fantastic. Thanks. Welcome inside the studio, uh, John. There's a lot of on my mind today with you because you, you're an influencer in my life. Not often do you get to sit down with the person that has mentored you and others. I know you have a great history of a tapestry, but I want to just open up today by first saying thank you to you uh, publicly for your mentorship, your friendship, uh, and also your nudging. You know, one of the things I like about you is you help people get unstuck. And you've helped nudge me through some decisions, dreams, conversations. And so I just want to first start out and just say, thanks. I appreciate you. You bet, man. It's been an extreme privilege for me to uh, be a part of your life. Tremendous. Well, let's open up a door that you and I both have some interest in, and that is other people. You know, I think it's almost like a little bit of a puzzle. You know, you meet somebody, you don't really know maybe their whole story and then they open up, and you have had a very interesting, I would call it, a sub-career of serving others through your Ministry of Availability. And oftentimes, these are people you know or you don't know. What has made you intrigued with others?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I think for me, it's the opportunity that exists to uh, help them discover, perhaps, things about themselves that they never knew in Mm -hmm. such a way that um, it unleashes a measure of potential in their lives that they perhaps never could have imagined. Hmm. So it's
0: it's the what-if possibilities of an individual, the what-ifs. I like that, the what-ifs. And the, the what-if possibilities, is it, I know when I first started meeting with you, I'm, I'm laughing because I had some people close to me saying, why, you know, A, you don't have the time, B, how's this guy going to help you, and I said, it's really for one reason I wanted this guy to help me reveal my blind spots. It's it's really a what-if question. And also for you looking at somebody, the what-ifs, what keeps people from seeing the what-ifs?
1: Well, I think more often than not, it's the lives that have been written on their heart, the lives that mm. have shaped their the construct of their lives in such a way that you know, and if you really think about it, Tim, I know that we've talked about this over time. You know, I've met with a lot of men, right, and primarily in men. And I've just seen over uh, over the last 23 years how so many men have, are being chased by lies that they cannot run. Mm. And perhaps it's a lie of not uh, feeling uh, like they're good enough, like it's because of the performance nature of what they've uh, You know, lived their life by, and perhaps that, uh, you know, they'll never be successful. And so they're being chased by this lie. Mm. And over time, it's exhausting, right? And then you find yourself ultimately getting, like you said earlier, you just kind of get stuck. You get paralyzed in one sense. You Mm -hmm. kind of, you know, you're a little bit like you're in quicksand and can't move. Mm. You just know you're sinking.
0: And then these lies, who's telling them to you? Is it self taught? Is it, Self-talk. well for
1: sure right you know I mean it's it's for so many so so many men and people in particular it's it's uh most and a lot of it comes out of the formative years if you will you know kind of the the framework and the construct of their lives um, some uh, you know and over time that can become um, something that sits on their shoulder if you will and a little bit of like uh, you know mm. Satan Satan can just uh, kind of speak into those lives and those lies and try to um, isolate individuals. Um, So it comes primarily what I've seen typically from the uh, framework of the formative years. Mm. Okay.
0: I know that the repetitive process can really cement somebody's belief system. You know, it's learning by that repetitive education, you know, repeat after me, repeat it 10 times, eventually because of the route you actually know it, you know, do you think that for some people in their heart and their mind, it's them continuing to say to themselves something that is unhealthy, that maybe there was a an inside an incident or a moment that they experienced something, but then they made that experience permanent. For sure. I mean, I think over time it becomes their truth in
1: a sense. Right. Oh, wow. and, okay. and then that truth be, becomes the uh, kind of like the guidepost that, um, uh, mm that they follow. Um, and it's interesting. I've read a little bit about over the years in neuroscience that basically over, it takes 21 days to rewrite the hard code in our brain. Mm-hmm. If we want to uh, rewrite, uh, something that's uh, negative in mm-hmm. our mind, uh, mm-hmm. we have to focus on it for 21 days to get on the other side of it. That's from a scientific standpoint, you know, obviously from a biblical standpoint and a spiritual standpoint, the opportunity is to, uh, it's an opportunity for healing, right? And that, that can take a measure of time more for some, less for others. Uh, mm. but, uh, ultimately it is, it is a process of healing.
0: Let, let's talk about the healing through experience. You, we have spent time together in a few different environments where I think you actually invite an experience, And that experience can, can trigger a new outcome. Uh, You have told me about some times when you've, you've met with people, you've gone different places, or or you have a a destination you love to go to that generates an experience. How is experience pivotal for people to step away from something they're stuck in? Because maybe if I could use the term, the rut or the routine has kept them kind of going in the wrong direction too long.
1: Yeah, I think some, oftentimes, you know, experiences—be it a place, be it a, um, you know, an event, wh- whatever type of thing its it is—it right. gives you, it gives you the opportunity to basically break, break the cycle of your mind, break okay. the cycle of your thought, uh, give you a. That's why I like where you've come from time to time uh, up at my office think space. It's a blank wall. It's a white wall, and mm-hmm. and there's no uh, pre- to, presupposed thought of what needs to go onto the wall, but it, it is an opportunity to think thoughtfully and, um, and uh, visibly about uh, you know, the what could be of uh, life, and, and um, identify the things that might be causing you to feel stuck, and then look at the opportunities of, of ways to get unstuck, if you will.
0: So what made you decide to do that, the Think Space, this whole idea of a ministry of availability? Well, that goes
1: back quite a ways, right? but for me, I set out about um, well it's been twenty three years ago now to really uh try to dial into what's the unique design for my life, what's that unique purpose for which God created me okay. and and it was a um it was a process that I went through that I was kind of forging a new uh, path on my own a little bit, so it took perhaps a little bit longer than ultimately uh, I had hoped it might but at the back end of about a three-year time of introspection and meditation and seeking the Lord's insight and guidance, um, I remember putting on a piece of paper, um, the ministry of availability and I thought, Oh my goodness, what is that? Mm. And, and it seems so simple. And, but I've subsequently realized that the profound is found in the simple and it's simply uh, just to tell you, it's, as you know, it's a, it's a, uh, first of all, there's no agenda. It's a show up ministry where you simply show up to help folks navigate life out the front window, kind of help them see around the corner. Mm. Maybe you mentioned the puzzle of life, kind of help them put the puzzle pieces together. Um, maybe help them, uh, just get from here to there. You know, most, even if you think about it, so oftentimes most folks know where they are, where they are, mm-hmm. but few people know where they want to get to. So It's a opportunity to just help people navigate what I call a preferred future, you know, Mm. kind of looking out the front window of life.
0: Do you have any one-liners that have been, or maybe statements that have been kind of pivotal for you in those conversations? I know there's been a few that I can recall, but I see you smiling. Is there something, I mean, you you definitely have a toolbox, which I, I love because I have found it to be not only resourceful, but effective. You know, some people can pull out a saw and they try to use it like a hammer. But you have some questions. You have some very unique tools that can be utilized to really give a carve in the direction you're hoping somebody can begin to process.
1: Yeah, one of the things, you know, there's a lot of different things that come to mind there. But uh, first, one thing out of, off the top is I think about, um, you know, rather I look at things from a, from a continuum of time perspective, mm-hmm. right? that as opposed to, um, necessarily a career per se. But for me, I've always thought about my life as a continuum of time in a marketplace. And then along that continuum, there can be multiple stops. Some of those stops can occur within an organization, or you may find yourself, you know, shifting to other things. Right. Um, but along that continuum, you know, it's not a series of stepping stones that we're, that we follow. It, it's more, uh, building blocks where, where each, each, um, each block, uh, creates an aggregate value over time as, as each feeds on the other as you continue to build upon your uh, time mm. in the, in the, along the continuum. I think about, uh, from that perspective, because of the continuum, um, you know, in particular, you know, think about it as, as, uh, believers, you know, we would ascribe to the truth that there's a plan for our lives and God's sovereign. So therefore, um, we get to be Columbus, and we get to discover the revelation of His will each and every day mm. by faithfully engaging the day with His hands. The challenge we run into, in particular as men, is you know we get agitated uh, because we know that the guy that we see in the mirror is is the guy that's trying to control the uncontrollable and make certain the uncertain. Mm. And it's tantamount to trying to be godlike, and uh, we know we can't. Um, but. We can be Columbus-like, so mm. the Columbus um, illustration is basically the idea of discovering the revelation of his will, not creating it. That takes a tremendous amount of pressure off, you know, when you can uh, look at it from that perspective.
0: So I hear you're saying there's really a freedom in discovery, but there's actually a frustration in engineering? What would be the well, frustration? Well, certainly, certainly
1: there, well, there's an agitation, because... We know again. We think about the guy we see in the mirror isn't always the guy that we represent ourselves to be out in the marketplace. Just, just use that as an example. Um, and we, because we're agitated, because we're trying, to, we're rest, we're in this wrestling match of mm-hmm. trying to control the uncontrollable, and make certain the uncertain. And that's uh, again, it's it's basically impossible. I think we all we all kind of know that. But what what would it be like if we simply engaged faithfully every day to? as a discoverer to discover the revelation of God's will. And, uh, but we have to engage, right? We can't sit on his hands. Uh, We have to engage the day. Right. So it's not a passive approach. It's not a passive approach. No. So, so that thought of, um, of being, um, you know, the continuum, the discoverer, the, the building blocks, that's a huge, that's a huge element, um, of all of it.
0: Takes Mm. a lot of, it helps you get unstuck. Right. You know, You have helped me with filters, you know, decision-making filters, knowing that these are what really matter to you. You've helped me discover the term personally impact, where impact motivates me. You know, will this make an impact, not just monetarily add value, but will this impact people's lives? Help me unpack a little bit the term filter, because some people may think that that narrows maybe – their potential because, oh, great. I only have two or three filters. I mean, is this really limiting me? But in your terminology, it actually sets you free. Help me understand why filters. Sure. Well, a couple of
1: thoughts. One is, you know, filters, most, most, the beautiful thing about filters is they give you a construct to frame your yeses and nos, right? Um, you know, so oftentimes we, um, uh, you know, we tend to, um, uh, Follow, follow our yeses and nos based on w- without a necessarily a forward-looking plan, if you will. We, we just uh, and then we, we wake up when we realize, oh my yes should have been no and my no should have been yes. So filters are intended to help you stay the course. Part of, part of the filters is, is a byproduct of this exercise that um, you know, we've been through um, this notion of trying to discover uh, a picture of a preferred future of your life by really looking at uh, two questions and then breaking each question down in a, in a granular fashion. Uh, one being, uh, what does holistic success look like? And the idea there, the operative word is holistic. And in that, you know, you're kind of looking at all of life rather than these disparate compartments of life. You see an integrated view of, of your life. And, and then you begin to break down the, um, what are the elements of, if you will, the preferred future and, and holistic success. And for me, you start with a timeline right and everyone this is an interesting thing about the guys that get paralyzed mm-hmm. is that so many folks feel like they have to solve for the rest of their life right right, right. when in reality if you just establish whatever timeline is for you it, and, and again it's not necessarily um, chronolo- chronologically induced by anything any any line of demarcation but it's it's your timeline and then within that timeline you begin to look at, Impact. What impact do I want to make in 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 that period of time? What um, you know, what what would I deem to be my highest and best use? Uh, How would I uh, how would I leverage my influence over that period of time? You know, all for this ultimately coming back to trying to uh, trying to aggregate the opportunity for holistic success. So Mm. that's one side of the coin. That question.
0: Now, this ministry of availability we need to put into context that you have a successful career, another side of your life where this is where you're giving yourself away to others. And it's very generous of you, but yet you still have a professional marketplace, you know, career. What's that ride been like for you? Well, it's been a beautiful picture for me, really. Again,
1: back to the point of along the continuum, right? I mean, I've, I've had the privilege of, um, um, having multiple stops along that continuum mm-hmm. with very, very distinctly unique um, uh, transitions one to another. I've, I've, I've mm-hmm. gone from um, from what we might call today kind of like a um, family office type of investment banking world to uh, working in the corporate arena, um, handling a national account as a national account manager for 13 years moving from there to running a, uh, AC electrical and plumbing business, uh, here in Orlando and, uh, going from there to, uh, to where I am now, uh, insurance office of America. Uh, but along the way, and again, this is one of those, this is one of those, um, one of those perspectives, right? It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's the, it's about a platform, the platform, mm-hmm. the marketplace is a platform through which I get to engage the mm-hmm. lives of people that happens to be, I get to do it at various, um, various, uh, venues, you know, in this case, right. insurance office of America, certainly I bring value to that organization, but it's also a tremendous, a tremendous platform for me to, uh, uh, meet and engage and just show up uh, for people not unique to just folks within IOA, but right. it, it, it gives me a, a place to hang my hat and, and, uh, to, uh, be available from mm.
0: Let's talk about the adding value because we have had some, I've had some brief views into that and I know that we'll, we'll get to our kids in a moment because I think that's an area that in this stage and age of life, we want to add value, but in the workplace, what is your highest and best use for you? Mine personally? Yes.
1: Yes. um i think sometimes you need to ask other people that question really <laughs> to really uh, discern that right you know I, I think at the end of the day tim for me it's it's certainly it's people oriented sure. whether that whether that be from a cultural perspective whether that be from a coaching perspective uh, with people mm-hmm. uh inside the organization um i have a um i have a natural bent toward strategic thinking mm-hmm. and, and uh, basically looking at things maybe more from a kaleidoscope perspective as opposed to a microscope perspective. So, um, that serves me well from a standpoint of helping bring value to a conversation to help mm-hmm. folks think about, um, uh, strategic things relative to their unique parts of the business. I think, one thing in this, this speaks to some of the strategy is, you know, many years ago, I uh, transitioned from being the answer man to being the question man. Mm. So I've, I've learned over the years to, uh, ask questions in such a way to help people discover the answers they most likely already knew, mm. but in such a way that they own the answer once they discover it by that, asking questions.
0: That's profound. Becoming the question man versus the answer man. But to ask the right question, you do have to have the perspective of the kaleidoscope, which I think for you is a unique strategic vantage point where in the organization, you see others, I'll call it rooms that other people haven't been in. They, you know, other circumstances or decisions being made or even people's Roles that others don't know. And so they're making their, they're asking the question from their seat, right? Versus you're asking the question from the kaleidoscope's view. Talk to me about that when it comes to strategy, where we tend to not have the right question because we don't have the perspective of maybe the other views, the other vantage points. How does that help you? Well,
1: I kind of think it a little bit like, um, a tapestry, right? So, and it is, a, I will say it is a blessing to be able to have the opportunity to have more of an enterprise perspective Okay, uh, that as opposed to being a cog in the wheel. Mm. Um, and, and such that, such that you only have the opportunity just to focus on your particular, mm. your particular spoke in the wheel. Right. So, right. um, but again, from a tapestry perspective, you, you, you know, some of this is just, is how how you know you see things as well. Hmm. Part of it is essentially looking at these disparate threads right. that 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 are woven throughout a tapestry, but it's understanding what the tapestry should look like when the picture's painted. Sure, with a recognition that that some of those threads are going to be that were they were once bows that have become knots that mm-hmm. have to be un. You know, untangled in such a way that they now can become a new thread hmm. or a renewed thread uh, in the tapestry. So, uh, part of it is uh, essentially being able to uh, just kind of sit back and and see the picture. It's the old forest for the trees kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that's helped me over the years is you know again back to an inflection point. There was certainly a point along the continuum where. I realized that I'm no longer the flame. I'm Mm. just going to fan flames. Mm. And so that gave me the opportunity to engage with a lot of folks without them having any semblance or sense that I had an agenda.
0: Sure. It was really to release their potential, as you mentioned earlier. But you do have the full enterprise, you know, scope in mind, or I would call it the benefit of the entire enterprise where Individuals where I think we lack perspective is we think value benefit self. We don't think value benefit others, where it's multiplying to the entire organization. We think what's in it for me, or how does this impact my life? You know, what does this contribute to my desired outcome or my preferred future? Versus, wow, what I'm doing does have a cause and effect upon others.
1: Yeah, some of that is you know at at, the company, we have some one degree shifts that we talk about. And one mm-hmm. of those is moving beyond the transactional to the transformational. Okay. And part of that is helping each, while while a lot of our business is transactionally oriented, mm-hmm. as you see it from the outside looking in, part of that is helping folks at the at the seat level, at any seat level to understand that though it may feel transactional to them, they have intrinsic value in in everything that they're doing because what they're doing is part of a continuum, if you will, for the client journey, which ultimately yields Mm. and and feeds into um, uh, the greater story that's being told with the company and and the type of uh, service that we want to bring to Mm. our clients. But with that, each person has an integral piece of the larger story that's being written, and it's not too dissimilar from our lives, right? I mean, individually, there's times in life where folks may feel like, you know, I don't really matter what I have to say, what I, the the value that I bring to the table doesn't matter. But truth is, they are each uniquely a a part, an integral part of the greater story that's being Mm. written uh, in their life and the lives of those around them.
0: Yes. I, I like that from... It challenges me because where we tend to think about story, it's so personal, my story. But when you're a contributor to a grand story, that is, and actually the organizations are influenced, you know, families, others, it, it does provide probably a context of, you know, let's go make history. It's not even competition as much as it may be internally you're driven, you know, there's that self motivation but the competition is actually how you're influencing that greater, larger story in people's lives. Thinking of larger stories, you and I both have just kind of walked through an interesting door of our daughters being married. And I'll, I'll take a moment to set this up personally. You know, there's, there's a few things in my, I'll call it, timeline of life that I didn't have marked as if this then, like if if this could happen at this time, life would be grand, like if this could happen. And my kids getting married wasn't actually something I had on the timeline of, oh my gosh, this would, this would really um, call it, make my life complete. I didn't realize how much it would, because I never really had on the timeline when I thought they could get married or would get married. I almost, that was definitely an unknown you called it earlier that discovery. It was a totally unknown for me on the on the timeline. But when it happened, and again, that was, I believe, uh, God orchestrated for both of them. Man, it was a good feeling. It's been great. You know, kids getting married and seeing them step through that door. Um, what's that been like for you looking at your kids at this side of the journey where they're becoming their own person and their own career and their own life. And then, and then with another person, a spouse, because as a dad, I think that that's, that's where I'm going with this. It's a long setup is I have found it very intriguing to observe the relationship my children are having without me. And I love it for them because I see how healthy that is for them. Yeah. There's
1: a lot of different thoughts on that front. You know, one of the illustrations that I've used over time is, I think about I think about the idea of of a seed right and you're planting the seed uh, these children and so you you plant the seed the acorn mm-hmm. and then over over a lifetime you you nurture you water you feed uh, you provide for that for that seed and that seed becomes mm-hmm. this beautiful uh, oak tree then over over time that oak. Tree becomes a majestic oak, mm. such that we as parents get to rest in the shade of a job well done. In sure. a sense, because I think about on a hot summer day, where's one of the coolest place to be? It's <laughs> resting in the shade under right. an oak tree. So it's been it's been an amazing experience uh, for me. Um, we've talked about this before, and and again a along the continuum of life, um, a distinct point for me is where success transition and success for me today is to be known as Carly's dad and Chris's mm. dad and mm. and um, Morgan's dad and, and uh Matt's dad. So it's a it's an incredible experience. Hm. I love to sit back and just just observe and, and just revel in the the beauty of of how, you know, uh the Lord just continues to uh um, take even in the midst of, even in the midst of some of the, some of the, some of the things that you wish you had done differently, Mm -hmm. how even in that we, we get a redemptive picture because we see how, how even in the midst of how perhaps there's things that you wish you had done differently, um, the kids still, uh, basically, um, they make it through that and, and, mm. uh, they're better for it in one sense. And then they, uh, what I'm looking for now is the opportunity to see them uh, be parents.
0: Right. Yes. One of the parts of parenting for you and me now in this age and stage, and I think this can speak to some people that are looking down that road, you know, what does success look like as a parent? And it was, in the career life, you know, there was different achievements, but for you, how would you define success as a parent? Well, one of the things I mentioned is a, a moment
1: ago was this idea of just being being known as your, you know, Carly's dad if you will or Chris's dad and and it's such a beautiful thing when you just realize that the return on the investment if you will is is seeing them grow up and develop into just uh, beautiful uh, humans and, and adults, and then uh, give back what's been given to them. Mm-hmm. How they extend the investment that you've made in their life when they, in turn, begin to invest it in others, and and um, they have an appreciation for that. Right. And and you know, there's a there's a great adage in life I've heard that we teach our children what we want them to be. We reproduce what we are. Mm. So sometimes, sometimes the benchmark for, for, uh, how we've done, the model we've shared is how they've turned out. So, right, right. so in that regard, in that regard, um, Cindy and I are, are very uh, blessed with, um, uh, our kids and seeing how, uh, they're engaging the world mm. and, and, uh, in their own right, um, being, Holistically successful, right?
0: You know, I have met your, your kids. I think the interesting observation I have of a testimony to you is how they treat others. You know, it's not just what I would call career achievement or even choices. It's actually how they treat people, you know, that demeanor, the welcoming spirit, that Uh, listening ability. You're an amazing listener. And, and, and my encounters with them is like, I just want more time with them. You know, there's that element of they enjoy you being with them. Uh, That's an interesting, I'll call it attribute of dad that you've passed on, whether it was intentional through modeling, through example, they experience it with you. They're sharing that uh, with others, you know, well done. That's, that's a tremendous achievement, and yes, successes being the title of dad, and they you're known as their dad. Yes, just practically speaking, something that we did um, as the kids grew up,
1: we would have them at the table with us, seated at the table when mm-hmm. we would have another couple over, and they would uh, hmm. listen into the conversations and frankly enjoy it. Hmm. They may or may not participate, but they would listen in. But. Sure but they felt a tremendous value just by being uh, invited to the table there. And with my son in particular, I would actually uh, take him out on uh, business meetings with me. I would certainly, you know, kind of give a, give a uh, advance warning or request to the individual I was meeting with, but I would just let him listen in, you know, and and, uh, it's an opportunity just to expose them. And in some ways, you know, I've thought, it's a little bit of a shift here for you, but I've always thought about parenting in three in three uh, seasons, if you will. That that first being uh, maybe zero to 12 of benevolent dictatorship, and then, <laughs> right. and then 12 to 18, or that time when they leave the home, one of a season of influence is where you have an opportunity to intentionally reach out to third parties to speak into your children's life and influence them in a way that's... Um, affirming to the types of messaging that you've been Mm. pouring into them. And then that third season is this, where you're the season of advisement, where you Mm -hmm. have the opportunity as they uh, launch into life to be, be an advisor as, as they would invite you in to be an advisor.
0: That is a great definement of the seasons. And I can see the value in each of them and the role, you know, specifically as a parent, I want to, before we depart, I need to open up another door for you, and that is of discovery for you personally. Um, Endless learner, obviously not afraid to meet with others and spend time with others, but in this stage, are you discovering something that's energizing you? Is there something you you could share with us that kind of opens up the mind of John Thurman? (laughs) What are you discovering these days? You put me on the spot, man. Yeah. You put me on the spot, Yeah. It could be lattes. We could just talk lattes. Yeah, it could be lattes, yeah.
1: Well, one of the things that, uh, I don't know if it's necessarily a discovery, but this is an interesting thought, not necessarily uh, to be um, kind of a a negative thought here, but to put this out, you know, again, what I've seen, what I've seen, and particularly with men over a lifetime, is there's this looming identity crisis Mm -hmm. that uh, looms around the corner. Okay. um, So much because of this, this, um, so much of our, what I call our who-ness is wrapped up in our whatness, right? Our identity and our work, our work goes away, therefore we feel we don't have an identity, right? <clears throat> and I thought for me, of recent in the recent past, that you know, I, I've never really thought I would struggle that, with that, and I don't believe I, I am or will, but I have thought about this idea of a looming proximity crisis. So, okay, for me. And this is, again, maybe unique to individuals, right? Maybe an introvert may listen to this and goes, man, you're crazy. I can't right, imagine right. you're saying that, but. <laughs> I want to be alone. Yeah, right. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. But for me, just this idea of if, if, if you get kind of removed from people and that opportunity to engage. Sure. Because, you know, it's as much as anything, you, you know, we have to take part of the, part of the call is to take what's invested, been invested in us. And, and we get to invest it in others right mm-hmm. we have to give it back and and um, how do we how do we impart that in other people and for me proximity is key you know you need that opportunity to be in front of folks and to be able to uh, sit with them so certainly the coffee shop is one of my favorite places uh, to do that and and to be available there and just see who shows up and uh, the blessing that I get in my own life um, from uh, just having a privilege of getting to know new folks is just, Mm. um, is tremendous.
0: Well, thank you for the proximity. Um, I I'll, I'll end with this, John, you know, you and I have sat at the table with some people and you hear the stories and if you were to give kind of a word of kind of discovery for others, freedom or choosing to discover where maybe they need some permission Um, How would you kind of give someone permission to discover in their lives where maybe they feel stuck, not just from a career perspective, but a mindset perspective, and they're trying to get to the edge? You know, they've heard you share, and they're going, yeah, I wish I had that freedom to discover. How do I get unstuck to start that?
1: So one of the kind of a, a line of thinking that comes to mind in that is I've seen That so many, so many folks, this speaks to how you get stuck sometimes, but so many folks and men in particular will will spend their life's energy on who they're not Hmm. living in fear of being found out, which is tantamount to, as I've heard it said before, if you live life behind a mask, only the mask gets loved. Hmm. And so if you think about that, there's, there's, there's so many of us that have only known love at the mask level. And by extension, we only know how to give it. Hmm and and with that the 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 key that can unlock that door is what I believe to be the most foreign language in the world people are desperate to speak and that's the language of authenticity mm. so so you take if you take that mask off and you just be authentically yourself you you don't you don't have to be chased by anything you just get to be you right. and and bring that into the conversation into the opportunity as you engage with folks. And, and I think you'd be, um, you'd be surprised at the, that the response, because again, most, most folks aren't used to being, being real one to another, if you will, and just that authenticity and, and the beauty of that. And then you, you in turn get to be loved in an authentic fashion. And right. So it's a beautiful thing.
0: And you provide that though. I mean, one of the unique again, qualifications, is uh, the f- there's no fee for service in your office, of in your ministry of availability, but I believe that that actually helps the authenticity, because there's a sense of John just wants to be there for you, and the proximity wins, you know, so you can be authentic, it's not as if there's this agenda, as you say. Yeah, there's no agenda, just it, you show up, right? Right. And you show
1: up, and therein lies the the profound nature mm-hmm. of of just doing life in a way without an agenda to show up in a very authentic way to learn and to want to know um, mm. another person, not know about them, but know them.
0: Yeah, can we uh, let's close out with that statement? I'll never forget being in the Think Space. You mentioned to me about that about the known and the known well and the well known. Yeah. So I've thought about in my own life over
1: is I've tried to look at what is, what does true friendship look like? And, mm-hmm. and for me, it's this, it's this regenerative circle in a sense, right? Where, where for me, it's this desire to be pursued. Um, it's this des- desire to be understood, not agreed with, just understood. Mm-hmm. And then it's a desire to be fully known, you know, uh, not well known, but known well. And because I'm fully known, not judged, and because I'm not judged, it must mean you love me. And because mm-hmm. you love me, you pursue me. And it just keeps—it's just perpetual, it's beautiful ecosystem in a sense of friendship, right. true intimate uh, friendship. And but you know, to be to be well known is—it's ex- another one of those things that's exhausting, right? To P- to be known well is the safest place you can be. Mm to be fully known. And not that you're going to have a lot of people that, that, that fill that void for you, but, but to the degree you have one right or two, it's a, it's a really safe place. Wow.
0: Well, John, thanks for taking the time to be in the studio today. I really appreciate your friendship and the impact you've had on my life. Thanks, Tim. Real privilege to be here. Well, it's great to be in the studio today with John Thurman. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to bringing you some more episodes.